0: Parents, is your teen college ready? Are you feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, or excited about your teen applying to college? Do you know what colleges are looking for?
1: And if your kid gets in, do you know what you'll pay for it? College admission has never been so competitive or expensive. Shelly Howard will take you on a journey to help you and your
0: teen get college ready. Now here's your host, Shelly.
1: Hello, this is Shelly Howard with Parents as your Teen College Ready podcast. And today we have an amazing guest, Josh Siegel is here. And Josh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you?
0: Sure, Um, nice to meet everybody virtually. Um, I'm Josh, as Shelly said, and I manage Lemonade Education, which is an AP and academic tutoring company. We support students all over the United States. I started managing that about a year ago. And prior to that, my background has been largely in large internet companies, some of which you may have heard of, like Yahoo and HP, which I joined after graduate school, and then did that and worked at a number of startups. During COVID, I saw the real need for education and educational solutions as students were having learning gaps and um, trying to really get what they needed to be prepared and college ready. So, so important and... uh, was very excited to work with the founders of the business. And then today I'm, I'm running lemonade.
1: Wonderful. So it it is the top of mind as students are preparing for finals. It's always top of mind, or AP exams, or um, you know, a family who is really maybe their student just needs help in a specific subject. Can you tell our, our listeners? You know who can you help when it comes to what your business
0: offers so we really started originally um, what happened during covid when the business started about three years ago was uh, sat and act started to become optional at a lot of schools partially because of what was happening culturally um, and that put a lot of back pressure on the ap exams and a lot of students were meeting maybe virtually with their teacher who was not prepared So they weren't quite as prepared as they would have been in normal years. And um, we really started to build a tutor base of very experienced AP teachers with very high pass rates. So as an example, our lead physics teacher taught in the LA Unified School District for 30 years. He's an AP reader. So someone who reads the essays in the exam and helps grade them. You move up as you get more experience and to be what they call a table lead or a table leader. So they kind of Help set the pattern for the other readers, and he also for eight years helped author the AP exam. A typical pass rate for AP Physics uh, l- this last year was forty-nine percent of the students got. It's a one to five scale. Get a three or above. His pass rate for many many years in LA was over ninety percent. So, wow. so our our belief, our core belief was we need to have quality teachers. So that's where we start. So, kids. It's taking academically uh, rigorous subjects that need some support that's a good fit for us. And then over the last year, year and a half, as there have been changes to the SAT and ACT, we're doing more and more college prep. And our approach there is a little different. We really look at where the student is today. We give them a very accurate practice exam on our testing platform. So we can instead of just a generic class, we really hone in on where the student needs help. So for example, if they're doing well on the English sections or um, reading in English, but math is really where they're falling down, we'll really have a custom learning plan for them. And that's really broadly speaking, the second category of help that we provide families. And we do that across the country, about 60, 65% of our students are on the West Coast, but we help students in the Midwest and a fair number on the East Coast as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's d- dive into some of the questions that parents are always a- asking me, and I'm going to ask you because, you know, you're the expert in this area. So, you know, the, especially in California, there's test optional or test blind, right. or do we even need to take a test? And if you ask a teenager, they will give you a flat no. Right. And can you, can you maybe help the, the listeners understand, is testing really optional?
0: It's a great question. And you nailed the three categories. And I would say it really depends. But let me talk about those three categories for a second. I'll give you specific examples. But at a high level, it really depends on what the family and students' goals are in terms of where they want to go to school and what schools they're targeting. Because the policies, as you said, fall into three buckets. One bucket is test-blind. And what test blind means is these standardized tests like the SAT or ACT are not going to be considered as part of the admissions process, except for certain things. And let me give you an example there. The Cal States and the UC schools, you don't have to submit the scores. Now you can submit them so that you can get class placement, right? So if somebody does very, very well in math, they may be able to sort of skip the first math class. So it can help with that, but it's not considered technically as part of admissions criteria. So that's test blind. And particularly for students who are targeting schools that might be a California public university, that's real and something to consider. Then there's a whole class of schools called test optional. And that means it's your option whether you submit the test. And some good examples there are Vanderbilt, Stanford, Fordham University, University of Michigan. So a whole host of selective schools, However, it means that those schools will consider the score as part of the admissions process. And I'm sure you run into this all the time, Shelley, as you're working with your students. And so you need to work with somebody like you and think about the strategy. And is it a high s- score? Is that something I want to submit? And if it's offered at my school, there's other considerations. If I don't submit it, what does that also say? So there's some considerations in terms of your strategy there. Um, as an example, some of the counselors that we work with day in and day out, because we partner with many, um, you know, I, they, they will say, and I would be curious to hear your perspective about this, Shelly, at a school like University of Michigan, if you have a high test score, it is really important for you to submit it as part of the application process. But again, it differs. I don't know if you have a different view at, from a counselor perspective there. Um,
1: yeah, we I, and I'm happy to share. So. Yeah. For, for, you know, we've been doing this 17 years or I've been doing it 17 years. And what we have come to understand is that just because it's optional or blind today, doesn't mean it will be tomorrow or the next day. So if you have a freshman and you're counting on my kid doesn't test well, don't buy into the fact that it is today and it will tomorrow. So is it really optional? We tell our families, no, it is not. And the other thing that we are very strategic about is if a student writes about their test prep and test score in an essay, how optional is it?
0: <laughs> well, all great points. And um, I hear that frequently. So that test optional, particularly at a selective school and if testing is offered in your area. An important piece of your prep is to understand that that is can be considered strongly. The last group, the third general policy is test required. And certainly some schools, even though test optional has been a big movement to your point, Shelley, you know, that can change and they'll move. And certain states have changed. So Georgia and Florida public universities all require. So if you're targeting those super important and required, you aren't able to apply without it. And then also schools like MIT, Georgetown, if you're interested in any of the armed force academies like the Naval Academy, West Point, all required. So that's really the three that we see today.
1: I think that is so wise, right? A lot of students don't even realize that each school individually gets to choose. It's not a blanket statement. And It could change. So what I like families to also realize and why one of the reasons why I have you on this call is because testing is a very quick way to scholarships. It opens up the world of money when you start to talk about here is a gifted student. Yes, they can prove it with their GPA, but there's nothing like a double prove which is a GPA with a matching high test score. So last year, our students earned 23 million in scholarships on top of need base, and every one of those students submitted a test score. Amazing, right?
0: Amazing, and related, if we switch to the AP exams for one second, um, not only as you talked about, that there could be a positive scholarship impact by demonstrating competence, However, your AP exam scores are not only considered for admission because they're a good proxy for can you do the coursework and handle the course load. But they, at and again, differs by university, but you can actually get college credit. Mm-hmm. So, And what that could mean is graduation early, skipping over uh, general admissions courses and getting to your, your, your major coursework sooner. And so many students that we work with often will be able to graduate a semester early and if you're at a selective private school that could be tens of thousands of dollars and be a significant savings as well so that also can have a financial impact
1: a lot more than tens of thousands it's right, right? <laughs> we're talking 50 60 70 thousand a year so to your point you were being very gentle right. i tell my families i'm like you know, if you don't want to write a check for the full tuition, let us help you navigate the process. And that is the unique thing that College Ready focuses on is return on investment. So let's talk about APs a little bit more. How many APs should a student take? Are there better APs than others? Um, What score do you need to get a super score? I mean, uh, um, be a national merit scholar. Maybe you could, I've said this a million times to my families, but maybe a professional like yourself could lend some
0: some knowledge. So first off, AP to some extent is becoming a default honors or high level curriculum at many schools. So over 20,000 high schools have some form of AP coursework. Not all support all the individual AP exams though. There are some very common ones, but across the science, language, social studies, Um, quite a few categories of tests and exams. And for example, if you take one in the STEM field physics, there are actually four separate AP physics exams. So it really depends on leveling. To some extent, depending on the major, the setup and rigor and what's available at the school and high school is really important. So uh, to some extent your question, it depends on what's available at the school, but should it be available at the school And it's related to what you want to move into into your major. I would absolutely recommend students go that route. And in terms of credit, um, many universities will accept a three. However, it really differs. Uh, It's a one to five score, generally, three being a pass rate, but that could be credit it may differ by individual department. So for example, UCLA may choose depending on department, which one actually gets course credit versus some kind of general admin credit. And that score difference could be they will only require or accept a four or even higher depending. So uh, kind of similar to the test optional, it's when you have your target list and you know the school, do your research so you know what's gonna be accepted so that you can have a good strategy. And in terms of beyond what's available, it really depends on the student, what's offered at the school, and how much rigorous coursework they can do. So you really need to tailor it a little bit to the student. Um, Some students can handle a very full AP course load and do very, very well. Some students can't because they're very, very rigorous in college level. So I think you really need to adjust your strategy depending on the student's capabilities as well. And I guess the North Post uh, guidepost principles I'd use is hey, if uh, it's in line with the students' ambitions, for example, STEM, and in line with their talent, they should do as much as they can handle, but not, not more. So
1: I love that. I'm now putting on my mama four hat, and yes. I have four very different, um, they're now young adults. And I'm thinking back to how they each navigated the process. So let's take it from a parent who doesn't live in our world and they their child comes home and they say, I want to take six AP classes next year. And the parent's like, uh, that sounds like a lot of work. I, I don't know if that's a great idea. Um, how would a parent know if that's a good idea or a bad idea?
0: Past performance is somewhat predictive to future. (laughs) So knowing your child, which I think many parents do on what's Mm -hmm. acceptable, know that APs are more work. So is this a junior year decision or freshman or sophomore? So I would say, make sure they've had one or two first and some are a little more difficult than others. So um, make sure that they're in an age-appropriate class, and they've had the appropriate prereqs. And I'll give you a perfect example: a lot of students will have difficulty in AP Chemistry because they haven't had a lot of exposure to chemistry prior, and it's a very difficult class. Um, and yeah. physics is the same way. But if they sail through physics, and they want to go move up to, you know, physics two or one of the physics Cs, which are calculus-based, and and they did really well on AP Physics one, then you know they're capable of handling it. They're not going to get crushed. And the large parent have thing is, what are our activities and what else is going on in their life? And make sure you have that mix. So that would be my general advice. And we see some kids who are you know, taking five AP classes a semester, they're sailing through and other kids are taking a few and uh, it's really difficult for them. So um, just know, know your student, watch them as they use it, And if they can run and, and take a full load, great. It's gonna have some benefits. Um, but it's okay to moderate and do what's right for the child, too. Yeah. I like think a lot of parents get that mental hat on and that let's race on everything and be as competitive as we can. But are you setting up your student for success, which is funny hearing that from something in the tutoring business. But we see this all the time. We work with so many different parents. So
1: Right. And it's important if you don't know parents, if that's a good idea or not, to seek help. Because if your student is getting, you know, Bs and Cs with just honors, you have to be very careful that that might sink their ship. And so, you know, really leaning into somebody like yourself and saying, is my student ready for that amount of rigor? So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the SAT, ACT, and the SAT digital. So to a parent, they may be like, what in the world do, does my kid need to take both? What's this digital thing? Can you maybe unpack the standardized test because it's changed a lot?
0: Sure. Generally speaking, there are two main standardized tests, the SAT, which is uh, run and administered by the College Board, which is another nonprofit, and the ACT, which is from the ACT company. There, it's largely, in its most simplest um, way of describing it, a Coke or Pepsi choice. They're pretty similar. The test format's a little bit different in terms of sections, but they both cover reading and comprehension, uh, math. ACT um, has, has a science section, but it's largely based on reading comprehension. It's not a lot of calculation, um, but uh, similar in format, similar in length. And they're both accepted at most universities as a standardized college test score. Um, one is scored on a 1600 point scale, which many of you have taken the SAT, it's similar uh, today. And the ACT, you may hear a score of a 32 or 33, it's scored up to 36. But it's similar in that it's got a normal bell curve type distribution. And you know, if you're at the high end of the distribution, it means you know, you've done really well and you're in a selective option what we generally advise is if you already have not made a choice and you're new to it we will often give students both practice exams and see where they naturally do better and then also not only look at the scores themselves but ask the students where they felt more confident and comfortable and then start to walk in some students take both in general, we think putting your shoulder in one and doing very well may be the better, stronger strategy. Um, and then we'll put more effort into making sure they're prepared and ready for that. So generally speaking, that's what we do. Um, again, there's some exceptions to that rule. But if you don't know what to do, the truth is with both accurate tasks, make sure you know it matches what you're trying to do from everything we talked about before in terms of which university, et cetera. Um, So that's generally those two tests. The SAT is changing its format, and they did it with international students starting about a year ago, and the PSAT had a digital format. So it still happens in a test center. The content is very, very similar, but the big change is it's an adaptive test today. And what I mean by adaptive is you start with um, the English section, and you take that, Um, And then depending on your results of that section, um, you then get placed, it adapts and says, did you do well in that first section? And it will slot you into, for sake of simplicity, an easier or harder section. And depending on where you go, the uh, questions will be easier or more difficult. And then your score will be an outcome from there. And then you take two math sections back to back out for that. The test used to be a little over three hours, you know, three and a half hours. Now it's closer to two and a half of breaks and go over that. Um, So so the test is adaptive. The content is largely the same. A lot of students like it. College Board has done a lot of work uh, to say, hey, did a score on the old way of doing it? Is it similar? And they're finding they're highly correlated and very good from everything that I'm reading and saying. Um, you do take it in a special application, it's called Blue Book. And so there's a little bit of prep in terms of having Blue Book on your machine and making sure your laptop or whatever you're showing up to the test center. It's still given in a test center. The good news is there's a lot of preparatory materials. If you work with a company like Lemonade, we have a practice test platform. It's adaptive, it gives you a score that's reasonable. So we you know exactly what it looks like. You can actually go to College Board and download Blue Book, have your student download Blue Book and see what it looks like and for them to get a feel for it, which is advice i give anybody because how do you reduce test anxiety and test day jitters? You get them used to what they're gonna confront and then it's less scary and they know what they're doing. Um, so we find that really helpful for, for our students as well. But that's really the big change and that's starting this year. So the first time they're deploying it for everybody is this March, so.
1: Yeah, that is a great, summary of what's going on. I've never heard it so simplified. So thank you for, for speaking to us parents who don't live in your world. Um, it, it really reminds me of a story. My firstborn, he uh, went to Harvard pre-med and I remember his GPA was good. And uh, he, he said, mom, I don't need one of those tutors. I don't need test prep. Like I've got great grades. I'm like, all right, it'll save me money and save you time. Sounds like a good plan. And uh, I remember going up to his room, bringing him a snack and seeing him asleep in the book and then going back and seeing him asleep in the book again. And I'm like, well, this is not going to be so great. And he got his score back and he had big tears. And he is like, how is it that I'm doing so well in school and yet not a good test taker? And I said, now will you try it my way? And I took him to somebody like you. And I said, this is our situation. It didn't take him long. He increased his SAT score from a California state school to an Ivy League. So it's absolutely critical parents that you um, have somebody like, right, That that, that we're talking about right now, like it's it's not something that's just a bunch of practice. It's like it's learning a strategy and a skill that they'll have all the way through college. And my son then used his same skills he learned from his test strategist and got a 98 on his MCAT. So Mm -hmm. the gift you're giving these students, the reason I wanted to share that story is to say thank you. What you're doing is a lifelong gift that will help these kids get all the way through their education. So I really do appreciate it. I have one more question. If a family wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: Two simple ways. One, they can send an email to info at lemonadeeducation.com. So pretty simple. Or josh at lemonadeeducation.com as well. But info at is our general. Um, and then two, they could visit our website, Plenty of ways to get our phone number and contact us directly from the website. And that is very, very simple. It is www.LemonadeEducation.com.
1: I love that. And what would a parent expect if they reached out to you? What, what would that look like? I always like to get past that first introduction, the, the fear of the unknown.
0: Uh, Generally, we'll follow up and find out the exact interest and learn more about the student grade and particular needs. So one trend we see, have seen, is some schools, uh, some students may have attentional difficulties. Anything else about them as a learner, we just want to understand more about the student and the situation so we can create a plan that's right for them. After we kind of learn a little bit about the need and what they're looking for, we'll set them up with an appropriate tutor we'll have a first session and then we'll debrief between the teacher, our account manager, and the parent and make sure that we have a game plan going forward and make sure everybody's on the same page. If it's not comfortable, we can change tutors or change approach. In general, we find that works really well. Um, That's really for general academic tutoring. For ACT and SAT, where we usually start is with that practice assessment and any scores they already have because we want to get that information and see in which section does the student need help? Because if they're doing really well in one section, we don't believe a general course is going to be very material. It's not time efficient. So it, it ultimately will cost the parent more money and we try to be you know, responsible stewards of that. We uh, mm-hmm. really want to give students the help they need. And then we'll pair them based on the need with an appropriate tutor based on that assessment. And our assessments are item level, so we can actually see the topics, so whether it's in the English sections or math sections, say, like, oh, we have a problem with um, structure, or it's really in the geometry type question. So we can get fairly item level and brush kids up. Kids that are generally doing pretty well and just have a couple of weak areas can see real improvement very, very quickly. Other kids need a little more practice generally to get comfortable with these things. But that's basically what it looks like working with us. And we try to keep it pretty convenient. We work virtually as well. So all the um, all the sessions are, are virtual. Um, and most find that really, really strong and it's very helpful to them.
1: I love it. Well, Josh, thank you so much for your time. Great information. And parents, the, the show notes will also have his links in case you did not get that verbally. So thank you for being on the show.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Shelly. I really appreciate the time and great getting connected.
1: Excellent. So parents, as you think about as your teen college ready, testing is one piece of that. We are excited to share with you our next show. Until then, have a great day.